As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to episode 223. Hi, Katare Vorsian. Hey, Money Clan, a warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. So, Katie, awesome time catching up with Hike today. He was on the podcast just over a year ago. Yeah, and I love talking to Hike because he is so grounded and he just puts things so easily to understand. Yeah, Kate, I have to say that his principles and his four pillars really are critically important. And I really think that regardless of where you are in your life, you can get a lot out of this episode by focusing on these four pillars. Right. Anyway, before we dive into today's show, if you guys haven't already, let us know what you're up to on Instagram. It's at Chain of Wealth on Instagram. All right, Kate, you ready to dive right in? Yep. Fantastic. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hike Tadivorsian is a proud father, husband, deacon, athlete, and entrepreneur passionate about serving his community and inspiring others to reach their goals. Hike owns and operates a thriving insurance and construction business that he built from scratch. With the years of coaching and developing his top-notch teams, he has developed great joy in coaching and consulting other business owners, professionals, aspirants, and team members on replicable sales systems, processes of entrepreneurship, and personal development. Welcome, hey, Hike. Good morning. Thanks for having me on your show. Very excited. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit before the show. It's been roughly about a year since you were on before talking about your business. What have you been up to? Uh, you know, same old, other than the fact that we finally published a book. I decided to take the self-publishing route, which I'm still learning, which was a very, very big learning curve for me. I was very blessed to approach a publishing company and they do something about, I think from statistic points, one of their sales reps told me that they get about 10,000 books of medals a year, they approve about 100. So once they look about manuscript, uh, I was blessed that they accepted the book to actually do the publishing for me. But once I read the contract, I got kind of scared off and I didn't want anybody else having ownership. And it seemed like they were going to take it the direction they wanted. So I ended up turning that down. I took the much more expensive and long-term route of self-publishing. Finally, we got that done. So that's a big item checked off my list. But other than the book publishing, everything else has been very stable. Same health goals, family still the same, two boys, three and five. Business has been great. We had a, I, th- I want to say it's going to be another record setting year. And I've been saying that for nine years in a row since we opened up the business nine years ago. 
But other than that, fairly stable. And I, I am enjoying the stable life more than always having something new, which was probably the story of my early 20s life. Wow, it sounds like you really have been busy and a big congratulations on your business beating goals every year. That's really great news. It's good to hear when people are doing well. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Likewise. And I've been hearing you guys have been having a lot of changes as well. Yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a tornado this side. But uh, yeah, like we've um, recently gotten married and, you know, enjoying the fruits of being newlyweds and having just a lot of fun. And, and debt free. And, and becoming debt free as well. I think, yeah, last time we spoke, we still had quite a bit of debt that we were paying off. So yeah, it's been a, awesome. been a lot of change. Awesome. Awesome. Double congrats to you guys. That's that's great news. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate it. So Hike, I wanted to chat to you a little bit about um, what do you believe is the truth behind the American dream? And, you know, the American dream, a lot of people sort of envision, you know, you're in this beautiful, nice big house, white picket fence, 2.3 kids, you got a Labrador Golden in the retriever. background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you believe is the real truth behind the American dream? It took me a while to discover the truth. I want to say about three years ago when I made the commitment of sit down and write. And I didn't really write my book to actually share with anybody. It was more of a uh, diary. And I said, one day I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get all my thoughts on paper. It was a point in my life where I felt like I was one of the happiest and most successful people, even though I wasn't the richest, I wasn't the healthiest, I wasn't, um, you know, didn't have the biggest family or most amount of friends. I have, you know, good friends that I can count on one hand who are who I consider true friends. I've, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not some guy with a private jet, but financially, I'm financially independent. I, I don't have a million kids. I got two quality children. I have a beautiful wife, good relationship with her. You know, I'm not some kind of a, you know, Olympic level athlete, but I can run marathons and triathlons and those things really keep me sane. And I said, you know, let me just put this on paper because I have this weird mind that keeps me up at night. I wake up two, three in the morning, four in the morning with some random thoughts and ideas and philosophies and actually emailed those thoughts to myself. In the morning, I'm like, let me just save this email. I archive it, archive it. And one, one day I'm like, let me just get all these notes I've been taking for years. Let me take all these thoughts and let me just write them down. And I started writing them down. After about a few months of writing, I realized I've got some good quality meat on paper. Um, started editing it. Further, further, about six months later, I pasted everything I've had on my phone into a Word document. And I had about 100 pages, 180 pages of, of uh, files. And I thought to myself, this could be actually a really good book. Now, when I initially wrote this book, I had a theory, right? So my theory was, if you can balance uh, finances first, which is the American dream, right? You come to this country so you can actually have a financial freedom. Now, what I didn't realize, nobody really tells you how much hard work it is because we know you work hard, you get paid, right? But I didn't know how hard you have to work. And the second piece that I, you know, a lot of us foreigners don't understand about the American dream is mentorship. We come here and we try to figure this out on our own whether we're working in construction or whatever it is, right? But I didn't I didn't know how important mentorship is because it can save you 10, 20 years of your life because some people spend so much time being the hardest working farmer in the desert where they only grow like half a tree, where you can be an average working farmer in a very wet soil, you know, good ground, and you can grow an entire forest. So that was another piece of the American dream that I needed to understand. So my philosophy was you take care of the finances first, which is the beginning part of American dream. Once you get the finances, you can actually have time to, you know, for me in business, I can staff properly. I can have some freedom for myself. And now I can spend that time, you know, on certain 
passions, which for me, I it was bringing marathons, fitness, triathlons into my life. And once I brought fitness back, I, you know, that brings health and mood and energy with now I'm spending time with friends, family, you know, and then uh, the last piece is now I'm spending time looking for my, you know, partner, which is creating a family. So it was finances, second was fitness, third was friendship, and fifth was family. So I came up with the four Fs, right? I wrote about it. And then when I got to the end of the book, that specific pattern of four Fs, which to me was the American dream, uh, made so much sense that I disagreed with myself. And I thought to myself, well, why am I disagreeing with this? I just spent like two years writing. So I called up a couple of my friends that have uh, PhDs, doctors, and asked them the same question. I said, you, you, you did a dissertation, right? You had to write a thesis. You had to defend the thesis in front of a board. Can I ask you this question? You know, if when you did come up with your thesis, did you ever disagree with it? And, a lot, and every single one of them said, absolutely, because that's one of the reasons why we're made to write thesis, because you think you might have a good theory, but unless you write it on paper, knowing that people are going to read it and they're going to question you, when you spend a lot of time in front of this paper, you tend to make more sense of it. And my thesis changed to, there is no specific order. Everybody works on that pillar, the, one of the Fs, in the order that you're insecure about the most. And what I mean by that, if you have a monkey on your back that tells you you're out of shape, you know, you're unhealthy, you're not eating well, you got to take care of that monkey first, because if there's enough of monkey on your back reminding you your health is poor, that's going to put you in worse mood at work, worse mood at home, worse mood with your friends, right? Or if there's a monkey on your back telling your marriage is not good, then it's going to remind you how bad your marriage is. You can take that with you at work. It's going to impact your finances, your mood there. So your production numbers are not going to be the same. Your mood's not going to be the same, right? So we always take care of what we're lacking the most. So to me, I was insecure about money my entire life. I was raised very poor, thinking I'm going to move to America. I'm going to make money. Everything's going to be okay. Well, in my early 20s, I worked my butt off. I was probably one of the hardest working people I've ever known. I was working 12, 14, 16 hour days. I was sleeping on my chair in my office and I figured out money really early on. My early 20s, I was already a six figure kid. And when I got my first six figure statement from my accountant saying, hey, congrats, like you just you know cracked your six figures this year. It was one of the most disappointing experiences of my life because I was waiting for that moment to change everything for me to feel contempt, but I wasn't, right? So later when I balanced everything out, even though my order was finances first, fitness second, friendship third, family fourth, and now I realize there is no order. I was giving wrong advice to people. I was telling them, figure out what you're lacking the most, work on that first, and then balance. Once you achieve the four, now you're working on, you know, what's lacking because there's never going to be perfect four Fs. There's always going to be one thing that's going to dominate the other. So you take time off one and work on the other. And it actually gives you acceptance of imperfection because if there's no perfect balance in it as well. So to me, to a long answer to your question, Dennis, um, I think the American dream comes in that balance of what you're lacking the most, work on that first and balance moving forward. So in terms of balancing them, I know you said that there's no particular order that any of them really go in, but do you find that people typically will focus on one or two of them more and they sort of neglect the others? And if so, like how does one sort of self-improve to sort of try to become more balanced than all of them instead of just focusing on one or two? Like say, for example, maybe you're strong in fitness and family, but your finances and friendship are completely out the water. Do you find that people try and stick to what they know and they don't really like to bring about change? Or do you think that, you know, like there's this moment that people need to realize that they're lacking in one or two of the others? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I, I agree with you. People do tend to stick to one or the other. I think they get obsessed with perfection. 
And what I mean by that is they get too caught up into the one of the Fs for, I mean, I have, I have few peers in my life who are so caught up with the financial aspect of it that they're thinking by just trying to grow their business, that's going to resolve a lot of their problems. For example, at the very beginning phase of my business where I got financially comfortable, but I knew that's not where I want to be. I wanted to be a lot more, right? I wanted to have more income so I can employ more people. I can have a bigger business. I can have a bigger home, a nicer car. You know, I can live the further dream of the American dream. But there's a certain point where money was comfortable. And what I mean by that is not to get obsessed by getting all these bigger and better things in life, but I'm talking about comfort. Comfort was you don't have to look at your bills anymore every month. You have somewhat of a good investment plan where, you know, automatically it's happening, whether if it's an investment property or if it's a, you know, a, an IRA you're contributing to or a 401k, whatever it is, right? You get comfortable to the point where, you know, I can take some time off and work on the next thing. The next thing actually helps the financial tank to get better. And what I mean by that is I finally started taking gym breaks from 3 to 6 p.m. because my work hours for 9 in the morning to 9 at night, 12 hour days. From three to six, I started taking time off. And at the very beginning phase of my business, I gained a good amount of weight. I got out of shape. I had a you know, little, I didn't drink beer, but I looked like I had a beer belly. Um, from three to six, I started taking gym breaks, lifting, running, you know, preparing for like Spartan races and, and marathons and that kind of stuff. And with time, I got very fit. And I noticed that rubbed off on my team. So my team that worked for me, they got curious about, wow, this guy in six months got in really good shape. What if we try? And all of a sudden they started trying. They started running Spartan races with me and they started signing up for endurance races and lifting. And I actually started paying for the gym membership. And I noticed the financial tank and the fitness tank were working together. Even though I thought I had to do more of one thing to get more of that one thing, it was a, con- a complete paradox because I had to do more of the other thing to get this other thing to go up. Because my fitness tank, uh, influenced my team to get more fit and they were more fit. They worked better and they were more motivated and they were more positive. My team grew, our production grew. My time spent in the business decreased. Financially, I started making more money. So that was my understanding of me trying to do more of that one F wasn't more of that one F. It was me spending more time on the other one. Now with more time in fitness, I realized I'm in better mood, right? So the better mood brought more relationships, more people that wanted to do business with me, more people in my circle of influence that I've been uh, interacting with, whether it was professional athletes, whether it was professional you know, attorneys or, or mortgage advisors, people that were referring business, they want to do more business with me because now I was a guy in, in better shape, better mood, which attracted the better person to my left ended up becoming, uh, marrying and, and creating a family with, right? So, and I think that's the biggest misconception. If you don't physically try to pull time away from it, less is more, right? So it complements the other F. So instead of getting obsessed about doing that one thing over and over and over, the, dis, the very beginning part, uh, there's so much discomfort in moving yourself away from it and, and taking time away from that one baby you're creating that actually it impacts it, makes it better. Right. So my advice to anybody is if you're obsessed with just one part of your life, whether if it's making your relationship better or your health better or your relationship with friends or your business is take a little bit of time away from it, work on something else. I promise, even though you're spending less time doing that one thing that will improve dramatically through your indirect involvement with your other passions. It's incredible how things like that can have a chain reaction where if you are working all the time. And then I know, especially Dennis and I, we've talked about this before when we're working all the time and we're not making time to go to the gym, we start to feel really 
sluggish and we don't have the energy to pull those long 12, 15 hour days all the time. And then the second we start taking like a quick hour a day gym break, then it's like you come back and you feel invigorated and you have more energy and you think clearer and everything. It's really, I think, interesting how there's such a chain reaction for that sort of thing. Yeah, I call that the CAR acronym. I, I reference this in my book a lot. It stands for C-A-A-R. Clarity leads to action, action leads to activity, and activity leads to results. Unless we are clear about what we're really seeking, there is no clarity, right? If you're clear about something, that leads to action, which you start doing something, right? Action leads to activity, which is the repeatable process that you continuously do. And as long as you stick to the process, results will follow. So at this point, you know, to me, I was very clear about what the American dream was at a certain point in my life led to action, action led to activity and activity led, led to results. And I think that formula works really well in most things, but a lot of people are lacking the clarity, which is the very crucial first step. Less is more. But again, you still have to put in a lot of time to figure out what, what that less means. I think that also comes down with that basic 80-20 principle. So you can achieve like 80% of the result but with doing 20% of the work. And, you know, I think that that talks to your pillars exactly because, you know, like it's like you said, you don't want to just focus on one thing. You want to get the most results out of the least amount of work. And in doing that, you'll achieve balance much quicker. And just piggybacking off that, I know that you're quite a big believer in mindset and mastering your mindset, but you believe that conditions come before that. And could you explain what you mean by that? Oh, absolutely. And I, I 100% agree with the 80-20% with rule. Uh, that has worked really well in my life. Um, I think the conditions and mindset, that's a very powerful thing because I used to think, you know, once I do get the income figured out, once I do get the home that I want, once I do drive the car that I want to drive, uh, it's going to make me feel like a certain way because I had this image in my head, certain people that I looked up to, I admired, whether it was through TV, social media, people I knew in person, right? They drive a nice car. They have a nice home. They have this, you know, they, they're muscular. They do marathons. So if I do that, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to had their mindset, right? So I was conditioning myself to think I need their conditions. So condition was the outcome of who they are. And if you're a hardworking person, your outcome is going to be big income. If you're a hardworking person in a gym, your outcome is going to be good looks, right? If you're a hardworking person in a family, you're going to have a good family, right? So, and I thought to myself, the I need to get those conditions in life. So very early on, uh, when I had some, some financial success, I went out and bought myself a very fancy car. And I remember I bought the car, it was, you know, there's a saying, don't make any commitments when you're happy and don't make any decisions when you're angry. So I was very pumped up. You know, money was good. I went and bought myself a, uh, at the time it was a BMW M5. It was my dream car. It had a V10 engine. It was 500 horsepowers. It was like a pinnacle of a, of a four-door saloon. It was one of the, at the time it was the world's fastest four-door car. So I bought this car early on uh, in my early 20s and I tricked it out. I put race wheels on it, race exhaust. I made it even faster. I, I would, you know, take it drag racing, take it on the racetrack. And I remember about maybe four or five months later, I realized I feel exactly the same way as I did before buying the car. Now I'm slightly more broke because I went after a condition first before the mindset. And what I meant by, by conditions uh, don't come before the mindset is instead of me admiring somebody's mindset, I was admiring their conditions. I was thinking the people that I admired and liked and looked up to, they drive nice cars, right? They have good things in their life. So if I get their condition first, I'll feel the way they do. And I didn't. What I realized I need to, instead of 
buying their stuff. I needed to read the books they're reading. I need to listen to the podcast they're listening to. I need to do certain fitness things they're doing. And I need to do more of working on the business work versus working in the business. Once I started really getting to know the people I was admiring, I didn't know them, right? I just looked at their stuff. And I realized once I got to know these people, they were a lot more humble than I thought. They bought a car because that was their own thing. It wasn't because of the show. And I bought it, you know, more for the show than anything else. I was, you know, I was modest and humble, but at the same time, I almost wanted to prove to everybody that Hike has made it in the world. You know, I, instead of reading the books that I were, uh, they were reading, I was spending time, you know, listening to music and here and there. So once I started reading the books they're reading, getting to know them, taking their advice, developing a good relationship with mentors, I really realized, um, instead of copying their conditions, I need to copy their mindset. And the mindset was long-term lessons that people avoid their discomfort. Um, that's how I got into, you know, endurance racing. That's how I got into more training. That's how I got into reading better books and podcasts, listen to your guys' show and that kind of stuff, right? So once I started copying their mindset, I realized mindset always comes first. Just because I get somebody else's stuff, their conditions, mindset does not follow. But if you get the mindset first, that always comes before the conditions. If you do that right, you will not in a way be envious or jealous of other people. So Hike, I have a couple of questions for you because like you said earlier in the show, you were a poor kid, you immigrated to America and you were not sure in the beginning, like how much work it was really going to take to really make a success out of yourself and feel like you're living that quote, like American dream. So it sounds like you kind of stumbled and fell a little bit. And it, to be able to overcome that sort of thing, you have to have a lot of grit. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, I there was a really good book written by Angela Duckworth. She came out with the term grit, right? I didn't read the book first. I listened to her talk on uh, TEDx. So she was saying that her definition of grit is doing something long-term with passion. And I'm I had to go back and retrace uh, steps to my decisions in my career because I was very fortunate to have good enough mentors early on in my life to point me in the right direction because early on I did everything. We, my father and I ran a construction business. I did retail. I sold cell phones. We cleaned toilets at YMCA. We did everything possible to make an extra dime because we had left my family back in Armenia. It was just my father and I that came to the United States. My mother, my uh, younger brother, my older sister, they stayed behind. And we were thinking it might take a few months to bring the rest of the family to the United States. But it took seven years. So little mommy's boy at age 13, I was pulled away from my mom, my brother, and my sister. So it was one of the, I would say the toughest part of my life was those seven years, being away from my family. Um, so it taught me a lot of valuable lessons and taught me how to get really tough and taught me how to grab a good opportunity by its horns. But my father and I kept on looking for those opportunities. In high school, I had a girlfriend. His father was an insurance business and they did really well. The guy had a extremely nice house. They all had nice cars. And I'm like, well, the guy seems like he's always at home. Like, how is he making all this money and doing so well? They have good marriage and all this other stuff. And he um, he pointed me in the right direction. That was the very first mentorship I've ever received by who's not my parent, because like it or not, our first mentors are our parents, right? That's a good thing and a bad thing. And a lot of parents, our parents can teach us bad habits too, which we, you know, almost becomes part of who we are. And a lot of them can teach us good things as well. But I was fortunate enough from about age like 17, 18 to get good advice from him. He educated me on the insurance business and I got into the insurance business from age 18. In early 20s, I opened up my own my own business and I, I got very passionate about the business itself. And then, you know, no matter what, I noticed a lot of people got out of the business. You know, we had um, just, just you know, if you guys ever seen that movie, Pursuit of Happiness with uh, Will Smith. I love Smith. that movie. 
So that that was pretty similar to my internship. And I remember, you know, there was, you know, a few hundred candidates, you know, they would pick about 10 interns. And out of the 10 interns, four of us are still around, right? And it was a nine month long internship where we had to go take the, you know, insurance test and investments test. The investment test was very similar to the one uh, Will Smith took in his movie as well. I remember, you know, I was probably studying 18 hour days, sleeping, waking up and studying because English is my third language. It was very difficult for me to understand this financial language in English. Um, But anyway, through grit, I passed because I really wanted to be in the business and I opened up my agency and I remembered even through the internship, how many people quit when it got difficult, right? It got uncomfortable, like, that's not for me, right? Or, uh, and then a lot of them actually got into the business and they, they quit as well. They say nine out of 10 businesses don't see year five. A lot of them, you know, um, you see a good amount of them, you know, make it through year one. And then half of those people don't make it by year three and half of them don't make it by year five. And I realized by year five, majority of us were gone. And the statistic wise, it's even worse out there in the small business world. But through through passion, I stayed in the business because to me, it was less work, more of I enjoy dealing with people's problems. I enjoy with fixing problems. I enjoy handling a difficult customer. I enjoy training people and I enjoy working on my business. And eventually I changed the way my business structured from working in the business, to working on a business. Now I'm passionate about just training and coaching. I don't really meet with customers that much anymore. So when I had to go back and I went back and read the book from Angela Duckworth, The Grit, and I realized you know, the, any success I own to myself has been grit because when I got passionate about my health, right, when it got difficult to run over 10 miles, I didn't quit. I pushed myself to my 11, mile 12. I worked my way up to 26 miles. And then my team bought me tickets to a triathlon and I really pushed myself to learn how to swim. I couldn't swim more than a lap in a pool. And the other day I did 101 laps and I kept on adding a lap, adding a lap, adding a lap because I remembered I had passion about what I'm doing. And instead of me being somewhere else, there's a really good quote. I referenced this in my book. It says, to live in fear is to live in the future. To live in regret is to live in the past. To live happy is to be in a moment. And I think grit and the moment have very two powerful meanings that, that uh, collide. A lot of people are doing work or they're with their families or they're in the gym or they're with their friends, but their mind is somewhere else. So their feet and their head are in two different places. Their feet physically bring them to a location, but their mind is somewhere else. They're either stressing out about the future or they're reliving could have, should have, would have moments from their past. And I think you can have a lot of grit by teaching yourself to be present and enjoy what you're doing because there's so many moments in my life that I've quit my business mentally. I've quit my relationships. I've quit my health goals. But sometimes you walk away, reset yourself and get back and grit is what continuously brings you back. That is the key of, I think, finishing things because human beings are very capable. We can do anything and everything. The problem is we're quitters due to lack of grit. I love that. Hi, could you give us a 30 second elevator pitch about your new book and tell us a little bit about who it's for? Um, even though subtitle says, you know, it's about successful people. No, it's about people who are looking to achieve success and also understand what continuous success means because too many people do a one and done, right? And the when I talk about the American dream, it's not about the foreigner coming to this country. It's about somebody understanding what the American dream is because this country gives you a lot of opportunity. And it all falls down to learning about your balance between family, fitness, finances, and friendship. And instead of learning on your own, learn from my mistakes. And that's a lot of lessons from my life in that book. So where can we find your book and what's the title of it? So it's called The Power of Mindset. Currently, it's on Amazon. Okay. 
and we're working on having it in bookstores. It is available in Barnes and Noble major bookstores. If you ask, they can actually ship it to you. Uh, it's not on display yet, but it will be within the next 12 months is the goal. Ooh, exciting. I love that. <laughs> Money Clan, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. So then the hardest part of the whole coronavirus pandemic is having to rearrange how your life is going to look semi-normal from now on for the foreseeable future. And a big part of that is just going out and doing little things that you took advantage of before, like doing your errands and going to the post office. And, you know, now everybody is so consumed with keeping six plus feet apart from each other and not touching anything. It's really stressful. Yeah, Kate. And that's why we're so happy that we've teamed up with Stamps.com because they bring everything the post office can do to your personal computer. You're able to send packages, you know, do everything that you would ordinarily do. And it's right from the convenience of your computer. And Kate, the best part about it as well is you can actually save money on what you would have paid had you have gone to the post office. Like as an example, you can save up to 40% on shipping. So basically what I'm hearing you say is with stamps.com, I can mail all my packages from home for cheaper and not worry about having to get sick. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's such a win. And if you guys would like to get access to a four week trial plus a scale shipped right to you, you can take advantage of that offer by heading on over to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in chain of wealth, one word. So you'll get access to a four week trial plus a free scale. And that's without any long-term commitment. That's stamps.com, enter chain of wealth. It's definitely a no brainer if you're running a small business. For sure. All right, Hike. So I'm curious to know how your retirement plan is going. What are you investing in? Where are you keeping your money and stuff? Uh, I do real estate. I do a you know simple IRA setups like a 401k plan for my team. I contribute to that as well. Uh, I do some stocks here and there. Um, real estate. I'm pretty heavy on real estate right now. Okay. I love that. Do you have a favorite book that you're currently into other than your own, of course? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of books. I mean, the greatest one of them, uh, there's a very good book by Jesse Itzler. It's called Living with the Seal. And his wife is the CEO of Spanx. Mm. And that book talks, again, it doesn't really talk about financial stuff. It talks more about mindset. It talks about a difficult journey he went through for 30 days while training for an ultra marathon. Um, but there's a lot of valuable lessons about finances in there as well, family and, and that kind of stuff as well. That book was one of my inspirations why I wrote mine as well. Um, that's a really, really uh, good book I recommend to a lot of people. Think and Grow Rich is another big one as well. And do you have a favorite quote that you try to live by? Uh, yeah, yeah. To the one I just referenced, to live in fear is to live in the future, to live in regret is to live in the past, to live happy is to be in a moment. Absolutely love that. Haiku, we've loved having you out today. Do you have another last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Have your head be where your feet are. Like I uh, referenced earlier, too many people are worried about other things that they can't control. Economy, the president, the weather. Enjoy the moment, enjoy time with family, enjoy work, enjoy health, enjoy your friends. Because before you know it, you're going to be you know, very old. You're going to miss out a lot on life. And not being present is a huge issue. And being present is a huge gift. I absolutely love that. 
My name is Clarence. We've been hanging out with Haik Tadevosian. Check out his new book. It's The Power of Mindset, available on Amazon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.